Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Great to have you in. Welcome to Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr is in and uh, loaded up today. We'll spend some time with Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. More uh, movement, more public outcry against the Big Ten and Commissioner Warren. <laughs> some travel plans being packed for some of the who's who parents of the Big Ten. We'll get into that. Some thoughts uh, from Nick Saban on college football. Uh, Another ESPN personality has no clue about college football. And uh, we will spend a couple of uh, segments in hour two with uh, one of our favorite uh, former Husker offensive linemen, part of the pipeline. He is also a doctor. Rob Zadiska going to be with us in the 5 o'clock hour. Room for you can get in at 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Numbers to get in. I'm sorry, I just laughed out loud. Got a picture of my uh, German Shepherd who has not destroyed anything today. Just her laying down outside between two bushes. So I laughed at that. I'm sorry. Just trade a thought there. But, you know, let's get into some some Big Ten thoughts here. And, you know, what will the end of this week bring? That's the question. 466-377-6800-825-5865. Find us on Twitter. can tweet at us or email chris at hailvarsity.com. Uh, and uh, at Schmidt underscore radio is my Twitter handle. At Damon Barr with two R's is Damon's. But... I think there's a lot of us that still have our hopes up for a return to fall football for the Big Ten, for Nebraska football. And I just, I don't know how realistic that is, but it's okay to dream, right? And and that's where I kind of want to go today. What What's the likelihood? What are the chances? And where can this outcry, this action go? And it's going to come down to public pressure, getting the commissioner and some of the presidents. And we'll talk to Mitch about this, you know, this infamous vote or no vote. What what the hell actually went on? But the more public outcry and the more pressure you've had it from student athletes, you've had it from head coaches, you've had it from athletic directors. Now you're going to get it from parents. And listen, it's one thing for for the parent to call the coach and bitch about playing time. That, that's something I don't envy coaches from, <laughs> from Little League all the way up through high school to, in some instances, college, having to jack with that. All right, let the coach do his job, let the coach coach. Well, in this instance, the heart is absolutely appropriate and in the right place. Uh, And I think Randy Wade, his son, his standout son at Ohio State. And on Twitter, it's it's pretty funny uh, where you've got the Wade family down in Florida and he's he's screenshotting. Yep. Booked my my flight to Chicago for Friday. 
got Iowa parents. You have Nebraska parents. You have Ohio State and Michigan parents. I mean, they are all, and I don't know the numbers, but the plan is to descend on Chicago Friday and have a peaceful protest. And is that going to be the cherry on top to get a reversal? I don't know. Uh, the, the, the way I look at Commissioner Warren, as brutal as his communication is, and he's been mum. There's been no reaction. There's been outreach for comment by the same media in the Big Ten that they crucified Nebraska last week. They're trying to figure out what's going on. And we, we spent a little bit of time on Pat Forty's story yesterday, and it, it's simple. Uh, it was way easier for me to see what my buddy next to me got in algebra for an answer and put that down. It was correct, but you get it handed back. You get a half a point out of a five-point problem because you didn't show your work. Parents right now are demanding the Big Ten commissioner show his work, speak up, give some transparency, and respond. Respond to the outcry. Respond to the athletes. Respond to Justin Fields. Get Justin Fields to roll with you. And there is still time to ramp up and do a season. And right now, things were. I thought things would be teetering a little bit based on what's happened at North Carolina and what we're seeing at Notre Dame. There's a sorority house down at Oklahoma State that's completely quarantined. You've got kids coming back to Oklahoma with nine positive cases. There's enough evidence right there that student-athletes are safe under supervision. Students are safe under supervision. It's just not the athlete thing. So... What type of of public pressure continues to mount, all right? And can can members of Big Ten schools and members of Big Ten families and student-athletes, can they keep pushing enough? Can their voice be loud enough? Can there be enough cluster bleep media attention Friday at the end of the week for for Commissioner Warren to, to cave? And can you get someone to sit down with him? And I looked at Bryce Benhart's dad. Is uh, he tweeted out the the letter by the Nebraska parents, and that's the McCaffreys, that's the Snodgrasses, that's Kurt Warner. I mean, that's some some impressive. All the parents are great, right? But I'm saying that that's a list. There's 81 Husker parents that are that are on the formal letter, begging for reconsideration. And can someone sit down with Warren and just Jedi mind trick him, make him think it's his idea? And can we get to the bottom of this vote, this no vote? And and I know Nebraska didn't get into specifics other than, yeah, there was a vote. You have the Penn State athletic director saying, I don't know if there was a vote. And then you have the Minnesota president who was part of this because it was just presidents. Like, well, it was... Kind of a, it sounds like it was Warren who made the call. Now, is he making the call on behalf of the the presidents? And did he go with majority? Was this thing eight to six reported by the the Chicago Tribune, retweeted by Tim Brando? Was it seven to seven, and he's the tiebreaker, or did he even care who said what? He was going to make his decision. 
if I'm going to put my tinfoil hat on, is this the have-nots in the athletic world weakening the haves in the athletic world? Uh, everyone's got their place in the Big Ten when it comes to those who generate insane amounts of research dollars and grants and money to your engineering or your medical facility or pick what all 14 schools are great at Purdue, Rutgers, Michigan, Nebraska. I mean, they, they have a, a specialty in about every academic field and some have more than, than one specialty. I mean, look at Northwestern and look at Wisconsin. You pull your own weight fine on the academic side, but you pair that with some schools like in Ohio State that just print money with Penn State, Nebraska for his I don't want to say down, but as off as they have been since some of the years that got them to the Big Ten, they do quite well from a TV rating. They do quite well from a revenue generation. They do quite well still moving the needle. People still want to watch Nebraska. That's why this comment from Booger McFarlane is another in the missteps of ESPN putting some jackass on TV that... Has no clue. Booger, you, you're part of the SEC network. You, you played at a high level for, for LSU. You've won two Super Bowls. You're on field cred. Dude, you spent a lot of years in the league, and you were a, a top 15 pick in the first round. I don't remember seeing you much on the NFL highlight side of things, but, dude, you made it, and you were really good in college, and you, you got almost a dime in the NFL. But – the guy that got booted from Monday Night Football's got an audience on Greenberg's show, and I know Greenberg's our radio side leads into us here on Hale Varsity on some of our affiliates. But this is just more, I'm late to the party, and I really don't know what I'm saying. You needed the Big Ten. The Big Ten didn't need Nebraska. Let's first and foremost make that uh, distinction. Secondly, the Big Ten wrote Nebraska a check for $52 million. Are you willing to give that back? Are you willing to take away what the Big Ten has brought you from a notoriety standpoint, from a a recruiting standpoint? Also, no one was really focusing on Nebraska, Green, until they joined the Big Tens. And and, and so I, I think if you're Scott Frost, and you Nebraska, you better be careful just to play 10 or 12 games this fall, uh, I, I think could be a, a disastrous situation going forward. Now, some would argue, Paul, you probably can speak on this, that Nebraska had no reason uh, to join the Big Ten in the first place, that they belong in the Big 12. That's another story for another day. But I'm just saying right now, Greeny, from a commitment standpoint, the Big Ten made a commitment to Nebraska, and I think Nebraska should honor that commitment because they needed the Big Ten. Nebraska needed a spot that had some stability. Let's just break this down and send the audio to Booger. They needed some stability. They could have stayed in the Big 12, but yeah, the, the Big Ten was a, a safe harbor and a harbor that had a lot of loot. But let's not kid ourselves. Nebraska was attractive. Nebraska was attractive over a lot of schools that wanted to be that that next addition to the Big Ten. They beat out some decent schools. And they beat out some teams that had, had a little bit better recency than Nebraska, although Nebraska was on the heels of the Indomitian Sioux phenomena and a couple of conference championship appearances, right? I mean, they're, they're knocking on championship doors. And quite honestly, you ask guys on that team, that they were probably 10-3, and 11-2 good, 
and they had a couple of missteps. I mean, they were 10 and four teams. So I, I will not say that Nebraska didn't need the, the Big Ten. Uh, it was just a, a safer spot, and it was away from Texas. But don't kid yourself. When the proposition came to Jim Delaney versus, all right, do we keep chasing Notre Dame? Do we look at North Carolina? Do we do we talk to Missouri? I mean, they could have gone a lot of different directions to add that 12th team and eventually get it to 14 with Maryland and Rutgers. Nebraska kind of, it's still, Nebraska still has its looks is what I'm saying. All right. And for for a guy to jump on ESPN and, Stir up the meth pot is kind of what they do. But I'm getting tired of, and I know we're talking about it and giving it attention, but I'm getting tired of of the number of ESPN guys that jump on. And it doesn't have to be ESPN. Just stay in your lane if you're clueless about college football. That's all I'm going to ask. Let's hear from Feinbaum. And and Feinbaum makes a good point here because I think think you've got the the Penn State 80 trying to, to straddle here. Because she is kind of the buffer between school president and then all the coaches for those fall sport athletes that are like, what the hell, let's play. And if I'm James Franklin and USC opens up eventually and the USC's got to be playing football first for that job to either open up or stay with Coach, Coach Clay, does my AD have my back? I know this. I know my AD has my back at Nebraska. I know my AD's all good with me, Gene Smith and Ryan Day. I know uh, Barta and Ferentz are good. All right? And I know Michigan and the AD are on the same page. I don't know about Michigan and the president. And I know for sure now, is, is I'm, I'm wondering, is the president making policy? Yes, that's their job. They are, uh, they are that higher pay grade above the AD. But I think you got a, a tap dance going on here with Penn State. And while she was Penn State's 80, while she was not in the meeting, I mean, give me some some clarity here. And here's Feinbaum on, on the Penn State situation. Yeah, it's early in the morning, and I, I prefer not to curse on a family <laughs> national television show. But, but Greeny, that's absurd. Um, nobody in America believes that. Uh, it's clear what she is doing. She is sending mixed messages. She's basically trying to tell her constituency, which are, is her fans uh, and her football team, that I really don't know what happened. Of course she knows what happened. It's the single most important vote in the history of the Big Ten. And the athletic director at one of the most important schools in the country doesn't know. I mean, that, that's absurd, Greeny. And no one should believe that. No one, no one should even consider what she said. And all, she has a president that she communicates with, that she reports to. And obviously that president was in on the vote. So come on, let's, let's be adults here and just call her and call that what it is <laughs> he isn't wrong i mean you want to talk about the the vote the non-vote or was it just a directive we'll get into that with mitch sherman it's it's just very frustrating and you need some transparency you want some medical documentation and you want the commissioner to lead all right you want the commissioner to lead you want the commissioner to respond at least respond to what's going on. And in the era of protest, (laughs) you got to realize that there's going to be a monster protest. And it's going to be not folks that are ticked off. It is people there standing up for their own flesh and blood. 
their sons and daughters that they care more than anything about. And it's going to cause problems. Will it be enough of a loud voice, A, to get a response, B, to cause a reversal? Clinging to hope on a reversal. We'll talk with Mitch Sherman. We'll get from some news from Nick Saban. Rob Zadiska on the medical side of things next hour. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes, that's awesome. Less than an hour away, Rob Zadiska going to join us. Husker standout and uh, Dr. Rob get his take on the medical side of things and what can happen with uh, a fall season in the Big Ten. We know what's been decided is that in ink, like uh, Damon, you got a new tattoo, didn't you? Excuse me? uh, So you got a new tattoo, didn't you, for for the start of COVID-2020? I should have, yeah. It's that big old bottle of Captain Morgan. You're a rum connoisseur. We welcome in Mitch Sherman from The Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, how's your Tuesday? Good to talk. My Tuesday is not bad. You got to say hello to Dr. Rob for me. I will, One of my man. favorites. He's awesome. He's such a good dude. Smart guy. Uh, yeah. That's an right? <laughs> <laughs> Rob, I'm still using crayons. Do you, you want to take a phone call and uh, talk football, brother? So, yeah, we'll talk to, to talk to Rob. But I want to talk to you before we get into, you know, what, what the end of the week could look like. Mitch, ballpark uh-huh. your take for me on this, just this vote, this no vote, this vote. I mean, as you've sifted through everything, what have you determined? What do you think's gone down to where we're at? Whether they actually, like, filled out little pieces of paper and passed around a hat and, you know, <laughs> stuffed, stuffed it in there. Uh, or not. It's a white elephant uh, gift. <laughs> right. Whether they actually did that or not, I, I don't I don't know that it matters all that much. I think they came to some kind of a consensus in the room and you know, the question is how did they reach that? It's we you know were they was it a heavy heavy handed commissioner who had his mind made up before the schedule came out, as I've heard some suggest, or was this truly a democratic process where all of the most important things were taken into consideration. You know, I think when you, when you cut through it all, what a lot of people are asking and what a lot of people want to know, the parents, the players, the coaches, the athletic directors, is, you know, what was driving the decision? You know, was this about liability? Was this about potential loss down the road for the Big Ten or, and, and its institutions uh, with decisions being made by the, the very top of those institutions? Or was it about the health and safety in the moment. And I, it's, it's difficult for me to come to grips that it was entirely about health and safety when we sit here today. You know, I'm scrolling through my phone today, and I see Missouri at practice in pads, and I see Kansas at practice in pads. I don't think the situation is dramatically different in Columbia or in Lawrence than it is in Lincoln. In fact, it might be better in Lincoln. But this was a decision that was made for the entire Big Ten, and there are places in the Big Ten that are different than Lincoln and have different considerations. Um, All that said, you you know, it's 
it's um, you know I, I think the Big Ten still needs to do some things about providing some transparency before everybody moves on, um, or we're going to have to see these other leagues, the SEC, the Big Twelve, the ACC, follow along with what the Big Ten has done. That would certainly quiet mm-hmm. things down. For now, um, there's a lot of questions that are still being asked, and, and, I, and I think they are it, it's, it's justifiable. Mitch Sherman's with us, the Athletic Hale Varsity Radio. There are a lot of questions out there. You mentioned the uh, the list here, the parents and their letter, the players and their petition, the athletic directors and the coaches that have spoken out. And Mitch, I want to talk about you know this this field trip for parents from Michigan and from Iowa and from Ohio State and maybe from Nebraska and. If they all descend with media coverage on the on you know Commissioner Warren's doorstep, his offices, I mean that that goes from bad to worse. And you've got just a, a, a horrific timeline with the announcement. I think a week it's a blur, but a week ago, and and feels like a year, Chris. I know it does. It feels like forever ago. But you've got frost on Monday. You've got the public beating that ensued, and then that 180 has happened with everyone going, oh, well, Nebraska wasn't necessarily out of line now, or at least the, the flogging has stopped. Hmm. And and now you have, okay, uh, you've got the commissioner's decision, and then you've got outcry. And meanwhile, you've got you've got student bodies returning to, to campus in Stillwater and North Carolina and South Bend, and... All right, we're just going to switch to online, but there's been no punting of any athletic uh, endeavors. Right, so right. that's an interesting turnabout, isn't it? Oh, completely. Because I mean, I thought once Carolina said uh, we're go- we're going to online Wednesday, like okay, here we go, and then here here comes Mac Brown out saying, eh, we're just going to going to deal with it." So I I think it's this may be too. You know, soon. they need the money like everybody else. Yeah. That's the reality of it. As long as the ACC is moving forward. North Carolina is going to be along with them, you know, mm-hmm. whether they're students in the classroom or not. It's a different song than, than we heard back in April and May about mm-hmm. what would need to be required in order for intercollegiate athletics to move forward. And, and it was always the students are going to have to be, be there and be on campus and be in classrooms, and, and you're no longer hearing uh, a whole lot of that talk. Well, in my, as I'm just rambling here, forgive me, do you get a response at all? Do you get a response from Commissioner Warren before the parents show up and knock on their door? Or does he answer that and take it head on on Friday? There's been a lot of criticism about his commentary or lack thereof. And from a, from a leadership standpoint, folks are wondering who's running the, the, the train here. I, yeah, I think he's got to say something. I think he's got to say something before Friday or on Friday. It'll be interesting to see how many parents end up at the offices. I talked to the, you know, one of the leaders of the Nebraska group this afternoon, uh, Glenn Snodgrass, you know, Garrett, Garrett's father out in York, and he said that the Nebraska group doesn't have any plans right now to go to Chicago or send anyone to Chicago uh, on, on Friday with the, the Ohio State and the Iowa parents, but that if the university voiced um, a desire for Nebraska to, to, to join in that, that they would. They want to, uh, you know, they want to do what the coaches and what the administration at Nebraska are in favor of. So, you know, that's a fluid situation. I know the letter was delivered today in person to the Big Ten offices. I, I think that no matter how many people are there uh, on Friday, it sounds like there's going to be something going on. And you're right, there will be some media coverage of it. Kevin Warren is going to have to face the music, and he really hasn't done anything since 
uh, you know, it's been a week now he, since he since he a week ago today when, when he came out and gave his somewhat vague and evasive interview to the Big Ten Network of all of all outlets. I mean, the place that is is going to be as as friendly to him as uh, as anywhere, or more friendly to him than anywhere. Um, although Dave Repson, I thought, did a great job of, of asking him the appropriate mm-hmm. questions. Um, still, I, you know, I think I think the commissioner had a good sense of what was coming and should have should have been able to explain things better better than he did. He's going to have to do more than that. He's going to have to do more than that between now and Friday, or on Friday when he meets with those parents. I don't know where we'll be if it continues to be silence from the Big Ten when uh, you have these parents show up. I mean, on one hand, the parents aren't necessarily uh, you know, a, a, a super strong force that can make the Big Ten react, but they're getting a lot of press, and it's probably more about the coverage and more about the other people who are paying attention than it is just the fact that you've got some parents standing outside of the office wanting to talk to, to the commissioner. It's going to be public pressure that, that needs to continue to be building and... Mitch, if you were to put a percentage on it, I mean, could there be enough outcry to get a response and then you get that response being maybe a reversal or is this thing just locked and the keys thrown in the ocean? You know, it's 2020 and I think anybody who makes a decision and says that you're throwing the, you know, you're locking the door and throwing the keys away is short-sighted because things can change. And, and there are some things that have been done perhaps just in the week since the decision was made. You have some news over the weekend about the saliva testing company, and I, I don't heard nothing, heard nothing about an actual rollout of that product. Mm-hmm. And then there needs to be some determinations about how realistic it is for mass testing and, and you know the, the, the laboratory work that's required and how effective it is. So there's, there's like five steps that would need to be clear hurdles that would need to be cleared with that one item before you could say, okay, this is reason enough to give real consideration inside for inside the Big Ten or other conferences for this to be a factor for this to out outweigh something that they used in making a determination. I know with the Pac-12, where they have been more transparent, one of the problems, you know, one of the reasons cited for being unable to move forward with the season was the testing protocol and the fact that these tests, you know, while they were being done two to three times a week, weren't, you know, there was still a turnaround time and it was difficult. You couldn't do real-time testing. You couldn't test players as they were going out to the practice field or on the day that they practiced even a few hours before and get results back. This may change that if, if, this, if it works smoothly. Not a lot has worked smoothly in 2020, if you haven't noticed. So I'm not holding out hope that that's going to be a lifesaver in this conversation, but I think you have. I think you're short-sighted if you don't leave the door open at some point to saying, "Okay, here's something that's working. Should we reconsider?" There's too much at stake to say once the once the door is closed. There's no possible way to go back. It's it's not about unity for the conference or you know the pride in in within the Big Ten or the Big Ten being too proud to go back on it. If there's a way to do it, if there's a way to make it work and for it to be safe or safer than it is right now, I think they have to consider it. Having said that, I don't know if they will. Um, right now, we've seen a lot of mismanagement and dysfunctional um, actions from the Big Ten through this whole thing. 
um, or at least that's what it appears from the outside. And for them to to ha- engage in that conversation and think about uh, reversing course, you know, it would it would it would take a change. It would take a change in 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 that attitude and that um, you know that that the, the kind of actions that they've taken. So I'm not holding my breath. And if it's going to happen, any kind of a reconsideration, it's going to have to happen fast because these guys now have been away from football for a period of time, and you don't just pick it back up and say, all right, we're ready to go. You know, they're, they're almost going back to square one, not just with the football part of it, but also also on the on the medical side. Um, you know, you probably have to re-quarantine and test everybody all over again uh, before you go back out on the practice field. Got to ramp up, and, I mean, Nebraska's not even had a chance to throw pads on. I mean, and that's right. – uh, who knows? Let's let's hope uh, the outcry gets loud enough and the pressure is great enough to maybe get something at the end of the week and, and reverse this this decision. Mitch Sherman, read him with the athletic great coverage, wonderful story. As uh, Mitch caught up with a number of the the, the the player parents from Nebraska, add Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, have a good rest of your week. Thanks for the time today. Okay, thanks. Same to you, Chris. All right, Mitch Sherman with us. Good to hear from him. We'll dive into a little more uh, college football thoughts. Nick Saban and uh, a plea from, uh, well, pretty loud voice about maybe, maybe playing football. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Well, Bama's moving forward. He had the SEC unveil their schedule last night. And our old friend, the Pirate Mike Leach, we have adopted Mississippi State until football returns to Lincoln. Made sense. They open with LSU. But uh, Nick Saban did a sit-down again with uh, Get Up this morning. And (laughs) he is absolutely sick for the Pac-12 and Big Ten. And he called the thought of playing in the spring a, a JV season. Talk to Mitch Sherman. Check that interview out, ESPNLincoln.com, the on-demand section, also ESPN Lincoln's Twitter. Going to have that full interview posted. And I, I like Mitch's take, never say never about the season being canceled because the end of the week could be different. Commissioner Warren could be swayed by moms and dads. I mean... Commissioner Warren could be replaced by the end of the week. Or Commissioner Warren could say, yeah, I made this decision. This is a dictatorship, not a democracy. Or he could reveal, look, a democracy won out, a eight to six vote. So who knows? But he needs to say something. We'll see if that's the case. Paul Feinbaum weighed in on whether or not the things can, can change in the Big Ten. And he's more absolute about once a decision's made, it's done. He doesn't think the Big Ten can come back. I disagree. Is there any reasonable chance this decision gets reversed? No, and, and she obviously knew that, so uh, we have to believe her, believe part of her statement. That you're not going back on this because this was a vote of the president's, Greeny. Exactly what the vote was, whether it was 12 to 2 or, or closer, nobody is certain of that. And, and it's ultimately up to Kevin Warren to, to finally come out of his cave and show some transparency here, which he has not. I mean, all he has done is subterfuge. Um, but there will not be another vote because uh, this is written in concrete, no matter what everyone says. So Greenberg then followed up with 
something we had been talking about and Nebraska had been talking about, and that's, okay, if, if you've got eight schools saying, well, we, we don't think you should play, fine. There's six that, that want to. Go make some money for the Big Ten. If Nebraska or Ohio State, we'll just use them as the examples here, want to continue to play and feel they can do so safely, and the rest of the conference decides that they don't want to and don't feel they can do so safely, then in my opinion, Nebraska and Ohio State, if they can find people to play, should be allowed to go play those people, and the rest of the Big Ten shouldn't be mad at them. Split whatever money you make that you normally would, let the other schools opt out the way the players can, and let those players and those teams play, again, assuming they believe they can do so safely. I don't really understand if we were going to go ahead and, if two of the teams didn't want to play, the other 12 would. I'm not 100% sure why. If 12 of the teams aren't going to play, two can't. You know, it's real simple. And maybe, maybe the Big Ten arrives at that point. Maybe they say, Rutgers, sorry, your, your, your president voted no. And I'm, I don't know that. Penn State, sorry, your president voted no. Michigan, sorry. Well, I want to know how many presidents sided with their athletic administration and listened to their coaches, okay? Could you get things ramped up and moving forward to kick off towards the end of September or early October? I think you could. And it just comes down to somebody. You need somebody more powerful than those presidential voices to come in and intervene. And maybe it, maybe that is the the emotion of the parents. A few minutes uh We'll hear from Rob Zadiska, Husker legend, part of the pipeline. And uh, Rob's been a doctor for a decade plus. We'll get his take on this whole thing, not only from the sports perspective, but from the medical side of things. Let's talk danger and COVID and his analysis on things. Uh, Nick Saban, it's been announced that you're going to have 22% capacity in Tuscaloosa. I think you're looking to Clemson or Bama. Those are your your uh, your your lead horses, so to speak, in the world of college football since Ohio State's out of things as we speak. But Saban really spent some time talking about safety, the bubble his kids are in, and you know they're not really that much different from Nebraska when it comes to the protocols, the care, and the attention to things. Well, you know, I think democracy is great, and I think people that have all these freedoms, I think that's all great, but I think there's one thing that is probably a common denominator that uh, really makes all that work, and that's that people have great moral integrity in the choices and decisions that they make, and I'm not criticizing anybody here, but uh, a lot of people have asked that we wear masks when we're in public, uh, when we're in crowds, when we're in large groups of people, that we keep social distanced. And I I don't think they're doing that just for the heck of it. Uh, I think there's a reason for it. Uh, We're trying to control the spread of this disease. uh, And I think that our ability to do that is going to go a long way in saying whether we can play football or not. Uh, But bigger than that, uh, it's just your own personal bubble for your own personal safety. You know, every one of these students uh, to take the proper care of themselves and respect the protocols that people are recommending for your safety. Uh, and I just think that's the smart thing to do. Saban went a little further this morning on that bubble. The personal bubble that guys have to form 
outside of here, I think, will be a real key to uh, us being able to keep the players safe and keep them healthy, and uh, that's relative to the what they do, you know, as a student, all right? So we're trying to give them direction on that. Uh, we have the Surgeon General speaking to the team tonight, uh, which we're trying to inform our players and give them the best possible education uh, in every possible health and medical issue uh, that COVID-19 can possibly present to them. So that's a layout from Bama, and it'll be fun to watch them this year. I hope Nebraska gets back in the game along with those schools that think they can in the Big Ten. So you have Brett McMurphy touching on a source uh, that says, you know what, you think it's bad now for the Big Ten and you you have anarchy. Well, not quite anarchy, but you have mad parents, all right? Think about where the Big Ten's at if you do get games with the the, the ACC – the Big 12 and the SEC. And we've already laid out that that gap in recruiting, uh, the financial blowback, just just the the storm that will be a reality. What do you do if you're Commissioner Warren? Okay, because you've got a no win here. And and are you gonna keep your job? Is what he's gotta be considering right now. Because if your conference is on the sidelines and you made this decision to, to, to thump your chest and look more important and scholarly in the group or in the power five, you know, was it your ego that was driving this? was at a couple pieces of pie out of the health and safety and the liability or the just we're making the decisions players you're not going to unionize but if you're commissioner warren you're going to lose your ass if if other leagues are playing and you're not but if you go against the presidents they'll want you booted out too buy a for sale sign is what i'm saying and now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Welcome down this first hour. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Ball, Rob Zadiskit coming up in 10 minutes. A couple of segments with the good doctor. So we'll hear from Fernando Tatis Jr. about this. Oops, I missed a sign. Damon, lay it out for me. You're on the mound, and let's just say you're pitching to junior because I clearly can't get the old bat through the zone as quickly as I could if I ever could. And say the monkey swings 3-0 on you and, and cranks one. Are you upset? And I know this has been exhausting because I just really don't give two dams about the unwritten rules of baseball. Things are different. There's We're beyond 2.0. It's 3.0. And <laughs> you are trained to see ball and hit ball. And the, the Padres were, were smacking the Rangers, and the bases were full, and it's 3-0, and there was one right down the pipe, and it got smoked out of the yard. I think I'm upset, but I'm more upset with myself for throwing a big old meatball down the down the strike. So you're upset for being down 3-0 on the count? Yeah, probably. Okay, so so that's your, your, your take is the same as mine. Make better pitches. And what's hilarious is you've gotten Reggie Jackson and Johnny Bench and 
bunch of you know Hall of Famers that that have come out in support of Fernando Tatis, saying, "Look, dude, you keep doing you. It's hard to hit. It's hard to hit a baseball. It's a hard to hit baseball that far." And he could have easily just popped it up to the catcher. Uh, oh, Rexy, I don't think this one's got the distance type deal. Then he'd have been crucified. Why are you swinging on a 3-0? Man, that was, that was, the bad flip was kind of cool, though. Uh, it wasn't excessive. I mean, it wasn't like, oh, this firewood has a rattlesnake on it. I better throw it. Or it's not like he was reenacting Game of Thrones with a spear. He just kind of, kind of flipped it. And we uh, we had a kid uh, hit a home run. We we had a lot of home runs, but not a lot of other offense or pitching or defense to to end the year for the Lincoln A's. But what was great was one of the step brothers. And there's two stepbrothers on the team, and, and I've nicknamed one Dale and one Brennan. And I started calling the one Dragon, and he just looks at me funny. Call me Dragon. Well, Dragon just crushed one. Bless Dragon's heart. He doesn't move real fast. But his, I think Tatis's trot around the diamond could have lapped what Dragon did around the Diamond Sunday uh, near Ralston. And, and he just, Dragon turned on this thing and sent it out. It was great. There's a home run derby going on before uh, Junior's team played, and they got their cleanup hitter named G. G, I, I think, either finished third or won the damn thing. But you, you've got Escalade guy, Audi guy, and Maserati guy that all parked beyond the short fence that was set for the home run derby. And Maserati guy got out okay. Escalade guy got a, a, a second hop bounce and there was no dent. But Audi guy took one on the chin right, right before the sunroof and he lost his mind. Clearly, orange cones mean no parking in a home run derby. Rob Zadis is coming up on Hale Varsity. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into it, Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And let's kick off our two with uh, the good doctor and Husker standout offensive lineman Rob Zaniska, the pride of Lincoln East. His uh, Doc Talk Sports Podcast is a great listen, and you can follow Rob on Twitter at HHRob. Dr. Zaniska, sir, how are you? How's uh, how's your buddy Desmond doing? Uh, we're doing good, I, although I think m- myself and about 90,000 of my closest friends have no longer able to follow Desmond, which is just an absolute travesty in my mind. Well, I was laughing out loud because I was scrolling through it and I saw your challenge. You, what did you say? <laughs> the, the, you threw the gauntlet down. <laughs> Let's see how many blocks there can be. Man, uh, how many people look 
ridiculous, you know, a little more than, you know, a week later, Rob, with their reaction to Nebraska and, and then the rest of these sports worlds kind of woken up here with their outrage towards the Big Ten. Well, I, you know, the thing that I guess always really bothered me by that is that, you know, you saw a, a very vehement, angry reaction. Desmond Howard, Mike Wilbon, Dick Vitale weighed in, uh, Adam Rittenberg on it from ESPN. I mean, you had a lot of people really, you know, taking a pretty hard stance on what on kind of what the message out of Nebraska was. And essentially, people were sitting there flat out claiming Nebraska was trying to leave the Big Ten. And that wasn't the message at all. I mean, it was Nebraska basically said, hey, all we're doing is we're disappointed. We want to play football. If there's other options, we'd like to explore those other options. And people forget that one of the one of the things that Scott Frost came out and very specifically said during his press conference last Monday was that playing games within the confines of the Big Ten Conference was far and away the most ideal situation for Nebraska and the most desired situation for Nebraska. And all of a sudden, you've got all these Big Ten media members who cover the conference who are basically telling me, I know Kevin Warren needs to find a way to get Nebraska out of the conference. I just... Like, okay, nobody said that. I mean, that wasn't anything that anybody actually said. So I thought that was awfully disingenuous right then and there. Um, But then the other thing that happens is all of these other schools. I mean, at this point now you've got multiple schools where it's essentially parent groups have come out in strong support of teams playing, other coaches, ADs. I mean, Gene Smith popped up there for a while. Mm -hmm. And very and Gene Smith said, "Hey, we we're still investigating other options to play." Ryan Day said the same thing, and nobody went after them. It was okay for everybody else to say it, but not Nebraska. And part of the reason I think I kind of got a little upset by it was the fact that none of these commentators made the case that they were saying this based upon the idea of. Safety. This wasn't a player concern, a player safety, a staff mm-hmm. safety issue. They were bringing this up in the sense of this is a problem because Nebraska is not showing completely blind, unquestioning subservience to the Big Ten Conference. That's what they were upset about. It had nothing to do with, oh, this is a very unsafe attitude sure. on Nebraska's part that flies in the face of science and medical knowledge. That, that's not what they were saying. They were saying, oh my gosh, these guys are not just blindly following the the dogma of the Big Ten Conference, and that is a bad, that is the worst thing ever. Rob Zadisk is with so us. I just, yeah, I just I found that incredibly disappointing. Well, and it's been a 180, and it's not from Desmond or Wilbon, but even yesterday, Pat Forty put out a a column and and he you know sharpened his knife on Nebraska about midweek last week, but now it's it's time for the Big Ten to show their work. And Rob, I, I want your thoughts here. Put your 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 medical scrubs back on. I know you probably just got out of them, but and give <laughs> give me your your view 
in medical expertise on COVID, on football, on danger, and then just the the narrative that's out there that that is now okay. Where's your reasoning, Commissioner Warren? What data did you use? Who did you speak with? And what's this all about? Is it truly health and safety? There's a ton to unpack there, but but kick it off. Why are where we're why are we at well, where I, we're at with okay, I know, well, with COVID? I mean, let's good bottom line to start with is okay. The whole COVID thing, it's very real. It's very dangerous, and it's it, it's absolutely a threat. Now, that being the case, then you then you got to start weighing risk here a little bit. Well, how big of a risk is it to these individual players, coaches? Uh, and then all the other ancillary mm-hmm. staff involved in this. And, again, yeah, there's a risk there, but if you think of it as a relative risk standpoint, all of these football teams have gotten, in my opinion, some very good advice and consultation from a lot of the big academic medical centers. Now, I know UNMC up here in Omaha has kind of been sort of the kind of the – tip of the spear for the task force with the Big Ten Conference in terms of the decision-making that the conference is using. And they laid out a a whole series of plans and guidelines for the teams to follow in in order to stay as safe as possible if they're going to go ahead and give football a try. Now, from a medical standpoint, you, you don't sit there and say, yes, you should do this or no, you shouldn't do and I think that's a little bit of a confusing standpoint for some people because I think some people are sitting there saying, well, the ACC and the SEC and Big 12's doctors told them they can do it. And the Big 10's and Pac-12 said, you can't do it. That's not the case. Essentially, all of these conferences more or less got told the same thing. Okay. And they got told, listen, it's a risk, but I think there's, there's ways to mitigate and manage that risk and keep it to a relatively minimum level. Um, and that's things you're wearing masks, you're maintaining distance, you're, you're kind of creating sort of a, it's not a true NBA-style bubble where everybody's on in one facility and nobody comes or goes from that facility, so you're essentially living literally kind of in a social bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, but... By following the recommendations from all of these academic medical centers, you essentially create sort of a pseudo-bubble for these athletes, coaches, and other staff in which they kind of work with it. Um, and the thing that I think that was that's confusing to me in regards to the Big Ten, for instance, uh, and a lot of other people when they're comparing the Big Ten to the conferences that are playing, is, is that relative risk. And what I mean by that is if you've got these athletes and they've got all of this oversight from administrators, coaches, doctors, trainers, they've got a huge amount of motivation to stay safe, to avoid crowds, to socially distance. But you only have that if you're playing football. If the season ends and everybody's going to class, Going, going to downtown Lincoln, going out to dinner, meeting at somebody's house for a get-together with 20, 30 other people, all of a sudden that risk kicks back up again. Mm-hmm. And so I think if you remove football, you remove that layer of oversight, you remove that motivation, and you remove all of those safeguards that they have if they are playing football. 
Now, here's the other thing you got to think about, too. All of these football teams have been working out also. They're, they've been going through fall practice, and I don't know if they're actively, quote-unquote, practicing now, but I know teams are continuing to work out and condition. Um, and so you've got teams that are basically still doing everything except that three hours on a Saturday where they play a game. Mm-hmm. against another group of athletes that's highly motivated, has a huge amount of of administrative and health-related oversight. And so I think by playing the games, I'm not sure you're actually increasing the overall risk all that much. And I think that's the advice these guys got from the academic medical centers that they sought consultation from. So you can manage the risk here. You've been warned of the risk, but overall, you've already spent God knows how much money to try and get to a certain point to kick off a season. You've tried to to mitigate that risk, manage that risk. What about myocarditis? Talk to me about the heart issue. No, and that's real. Don't don't get me wrong there. And it's I mean that's can be an incredibly debilitating thing, and it and it very much can affect young, healthy people. the, the problem there is I don't know if we've got good numbers on it. Supposedly sure. the Big Ten made a portion of their decision-making with this based upon a study that came out, uh, and it was published in a prestigious journal. It's not like this was in came out in Mad Magazine or something, <laughs> for God's sakes. It was, it was a legitimate medical journal. Um, I read the articles, but, Rob. <laughs> Exactly. I just read it for the article. Um, most of the, uh, the the problem is is that the study came out. It probably got used to some degree as far as decision making goes, and then a number of other cardiologists actually took a look at it and basically said, "Hey, if you look at it, there's kind of this starting point to the article, mm-hmm. which is essentially saying uh, the." The normal amount of blood that the heart pumps out, that's called the ejection fraction. It's basically just how much blood is the heart to actually pump into the body. And it gave what would be considered a normal range. Now, the normal range for that amount of blood in this particular study was this incredibly narrow range. Gotcha. It was a very, very small range of values. So the, the the smaller that the smaller your normal range is, the greater your abnormal range is. So think of it on like a scale of one to a hundred. Mm-hmm. If a range of like fifty four on the low end and fifty eight on the high end is is normal. Well, your abnormal is anything from one to fifty-four, and everywhere from fifty-eight on up to a hundred. Well, that's a lot of range. That's abnormal, and that's what the study came out and said: is that you have this really, really narrow range. So the the, the smaller your starting the, the the smaller your starting normal is, mm-hmm. the larger your abnormal is. And so when the study on myocarditis came out looking at people who had had COVID, it made it kind of look like the abnormals were this really, really huge number. That does And so it really things. was like, holy crap, look at anybody, anybody who's ever had COVID now has an abnormal heart. 
and the problem is is that's not actually the true that's not very true the the normal range for that ejection fraction the normal range for how much blood the heart pumps it actually it's got a pretty wide varying range it's much bigger than what this paper said it was and so it kind of gave people this false impression that if you catch covid you're doomed to have you're almost certainly doomed to have this abnormal heart from then on out gotcha and that that kind of scared the heck out of people it's just that people made decisions based upon it and then a bunch of other cardiologists statisticians etc took a look at it and went like hey wait a second this thing is way off so there therein lies i think part of the problem and it's it, and science is science and medicine is there. Unfortunately, it's all inexact. I mean, mm-hmm. we're not going to have a great feel for COVID myocarditis for quite some time. We need a lot more cases. We need a lot more studies. I don't know if we have time to make an educated decision based upon that. Does that mean you cancel a football season? Personally, I, I don't think it is. I think you at least give it a try. And I think that was part of the problem a lot of people had with the Big Ten Conference is a decision was made without giving it a try. And I think they had time to kind of look at this and time to maybe make a a decision a little bit farther down the road. Um, and, And so that's why. And that's why I think a lot of people are upset is that they weren't even willing to just give it a try. Dr. Rob Zaniska is with us. Hail Varsity Radio. We'll have more from the good doctor. A whole nother segment. We'll get into his take on COVID. And uh, he's not alone with the disappointment uh, with the Big Ten and pulling the cord so soon. So uh, more from uh, a great member of the pipeline for Nebraska. So a uh, reminder to you, one out of three fatal crashes involves an impaired driver driving drunk, buzzed, or high. That's never acceptable. Law enforcement officers working around the clock. They're uh, putting up stops, sobriety checkpoints, saturation patrols. As a driver, make that correct choice of a non-alcoholic drinker. Have that pre-selected designated driver. Be smart. Start the conversation. Who's driving home? Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Good stuff from Mitch Sherman. What will this week bring? Well, it'll bring Big Ten parents to Chicago. It's a knock on the commissioner's door. What's next? You got Carolina. You have Michigan State going distance learning. Notre Dame. But so far, the ACC steadfast will spend some more time here. What's what's next when it comes to COVID and football with Dr. Rob Zadiska? And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Rob Zadisk is with us, uh, Husker legend, and uh, you hear his podcast, uh, Doc Talk, is where you can log on and, and find out Dr. Rob and Travis Justice at uh, HH Rob on Twitter. So, Rob, you beautifully explained that. Thank you much for the for the for the heart question. So, let's get into the nuts and bolts as to why, in your opinion, what do you think? happens does commissioner warren have a chance to walk things back does he double down 
And, and why did things shake out the way they shook out? Was it pure health and safety or is there something else? See, I'm, I'm convinced, and you and I chatted about this a little bit yeah. off the air, just that I'm, I'm still convinced there was kind of a twofold, uh, kind of a two-factor equation that played in here. And I, I think one of those things was, uh, one, I think it was a liability issue. I, I think all of these conferences were essentially getting maybe not the same, but very similar medical advice and medical consultation from their respective academic medical centers and docs and, well, consultants. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think in the Big Ten Conference, I I think you had an ultra-conservative legal team that essentially got a little bit more nervous, pulled the trigger early, and said, this is too much of a liability issue. you got to shut this down. Um, the other thing that I think happened, and, um, you know, this was a suggestion. I, I got this from talking to Tom Chattel with the Omaha World Herald. Tom made the point that he he's always felt that the Big Ten is, there's a strong degree of ego there. Oh, yeah. And within, yeah. within that ego, I think they kind of felt, I, I think the Big Ten Conference knew that the Pac-12 was going to, Pac-12 was basically going to pull the plug. Now, Pac-12 has a lot of other factors going on that play into their decision-making. You've got the states of California and Oregon that were already in a situation where, because of government mandates, they weren't able to play football until, what, something like September or October Mm -hmm. anyway. So the the Pac-12 was probably really already kind of shut down from the get-go. And so... The Big Ten knew that the Pac-12 is going to pull the plug. I think the Big Ten, purely from an ego standpoint, thought, hey, Pac-12 is going to pull the plug. If we pull the plug, everybody else is going to cancel the season as well, too. God forbid we're not the first person to get out in front of the curve, so to speak, be the leaders here, and pull that plug first. And I think there was a strong desire that, hey, if all of these conferences are going to cancel the season, which I think the Big Ten was convinced was going to happen, they wanted, they wanted to make darn sure they were the first one to do it. So they knew when the Pac-12 was going to do it. They knew the Pac-12 was going to do it. And so the Big Ten canceled. Pac-12 followed suit, what, hours later. Mm-hmm. And then they sat there thinking the other three conferences within half a day the exact same thing was going to happen, and it didn't. Nebraska expresses their sentiments. The media decides, hey, we've got to step in here and side with the conference. Otherwise, we risk getting shut out of our own conference if there's a big scoop coming. Sure. So I think the media jumped on Nebraska's case. Next thing you know, you've got every other school in the conference bitching and moaning about the decision and the decision-making process. And and now all of a sudden you've got, I call it now the big three, the SEC, ACC, and Big 12, as of now going ahead and playing football. And I think the Big Ten sitting here going, okay, this did not shake out how it was supposed to. We were supposed to be first. Everybody else was supposed to cancel, and that didn't happen. And now I think they're trying to figure out exactly what to do. I don't know what's going to happen. I would love to see him walk it back. He mentioned if I thought there's a chance. Yeah, I do think there's a chance. The problem with it now is 
I think everybody looks at the Big Ten Conference and from a decision-making standpoint, a transparency standpoint, uh, as a bunch of buffoons, <laughs> literally. And if they walk this back, now they're going to look even more like a bunch of I, I think there's ways they could do it. I don't know if they can suck their ego enough, up enough to actually do it. What Robin, what Warren needs to do here, he was the first commissioner to jump out in front and have a, have a, have a Zoom meeting with, with student-athletes, right? I thought that was pretty good about three weeks ago. He listened to a football player and a member from another uh, athletic uh, team, okay? And, and, he, and, he, and he spent a couple hours with each program, a Monday and Tuesday, about this uh, the, the demands that were being thrown out there, first by the Pac-12, but more so health and safety demands by players from the Big Ten. I thought that was good. He said, look, I, I leaned on my kid who's playing football down in the SEC, by the way, and I thought that was pretty awesome. He can sure as heck get a Zoom meeting with Justin Fields and other players and other coaches and just say, after further review, we were too early. You nailed it. The Big Ten, I, the, the Big Ten's worried about the cheese and wine crowd, my friend, and they want to look and get those pats on the back for being scholarly, <laughs> and that's yeah. that's part of this. You're absolutely right. So yeah, I, I mean, I would love to see him walk it back, and I, you know, and here's the thing: I'm not saying this is going to work. Yeah, but I don't think I don't see the, I don't see the Big Three canceling anytime soon. If they cancel. It's going to be after games start and a whole sure. bunch of cases start popping up. That That's when you're going to see a potential cancel is they're going to get two, three, four games into the season. That's when you're going to see a cancellation take place, in my opinion. Um, I would love to see the Big Ten walk it back and say, hey, we might have based this off, off of inaccurate information. We might have pulled the trigger too soon. We're going to give this a try. And, I th- and again, I think there's safeguards they can follow. I think there's liability safeguards they can follow. Hey, if you've got a player who wants to bow out of mm-hmm. this, who doesn't feel like our safeguards are up to their standards, you don't have to play and, and grant them some eligibility waiver to do so. If you want to take, if you want to bow out this season and maintain your eligibility, go ahead. So I, I think sense. you give the players that option, and I think you've got a solid middle ground. You try it out for a couple of weeks, and then you and then and then you reassess. Easy to say and do. Let's see if uh, someone gets that to the commissioner, and uh, we'll see where they think where they go. Last thought here, Rob, and Rob Zadisk is with us. Uh, Doc Talk is his podcast, and uh, you can follow Rob on Twitter at uh, HHRob. Uh, standout Husker, part of the pipeline. Of course, uh, Rob's been a doctor for a number of years, getting his take on COVID, the Big Ten, and where we're at. If you're Scott Frost, Rob, what do you tell your kids? I mean, they've ramped up. They've got their hopes up. Do you just tell them to stay ready? Is that the message? I, I think that's the biggest message. You know, I think you keep guys working out, you keep them in shape, you keep them training. Um, and I'll tell you what, though, you you better hope to God for a spring season because 
there's no guarantee COVID's going away. And well, I think if you talk to a lot of the epidemiologists, uh-huh. they've been talking about second wave, third wave, et cetera, as being real possibilities. We could see this ramping back up again come come next February, March. So if, if that same decision-making process led you to cancel now and COVID's still around in, in February or March, what's the message you're going to say if you play? Yeah. Hey, we could have played last fall, but we did. Sorry. It, it's, so it's, it's still going to be, oh, it's, it's, it's still going to be, it's, it's an incredibly tough situation for these kids to be in. But if I'm frost, you, you tell them, stay ready, keep working out, stay safe. And we'll see if something happens this fall. 30 seconds. What's your take on the vaccine side of things? Um, you know, we'll see. What Don't happens. buy from I'm, Russia. I'm very hopeful. I'm very hopeful we'll see one. Normally, with a vaccine, in terms of testing and getting it out there, mm-hmm. you're you're really kind of looking in most cases, eighteen months or so on gotcha. the fast end, in terms of being able to do this. Okay. And so they they've kind of ramped it up. A lot of companies have been given the go ahead by the FDA and other regulatory bodies to try and push things along quicker. So we're already in testing phases now. There's some promising ones out there. It's still a big question mark. That, that's the thing. There's that lot of hope, not a lot of definitive answers mm-hmm. yet. Rob, we'll do this again. Thanks for your time and your insight today. Absolutely. Hey, Chris, have a great one. There he is, part of the pipeline, and uh, the good doctor, Rob Zadiska, Doc Talk, is his podcast, does that with Travis Justice, shoots it straight, and... Um, concerned about the liability side of things but just know (laughs) like a lot of us just you know what man you didn't even give it a shot and it's frustrating uh we'll spend a few minutes uh, on some college football really cool press conference moment for uh, joe burrow and uh, cincinnati we'll get into here but mac brown's come out and downplayed the University of North Carolina's shift to full-time remote learning as a result of rising coronavirus cases among the general student body, saying that the move doesn't affect the football team in a tangible way. If anything, he believes it's going to help. And Brown uh, said with a Zoom on uh, earlier today that the team had a good morning practice and uh, he says, hey, man, there's a great chance we're going to play. Even not going into the classrooms, that helps uh, create a little bit better seal around our program, a better bubble. The NBA model's working. So if you, if, if you had to ask the athletes, what's greater for them and to them? Is it, all right, and we've heard Saban talk about it last hour, is it staying in the bubble, something bigger than yourself, that's your teammates, that's the ability to go compete and play ball? Or do you feel like, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm being treated differently and I'm used to being treated differently because I'm I'm a college student athlete, but this is this is different and I don't like it. And if push comes to shove, like listen, I've not had to quarantine and I can only imagine how much it would suck. I mean we've all kind of stayed at home and stayed away a lot of us have anyway when it comes to are we going to go out and kick it at the club or are we going to stay home and and 
Yeah, I have not been able to get the old hall pass to the old O Street region or beyond recently. But if I'm a student athlete, they're pretty mature. They've done a nice job of handling things. Some more college football thoughts will continue on. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, preteen Swedish boy. Why, thank you, Kramer. Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr. Coach K is sounding off. Plant the seed for college basketball. He says, listen. The NCAA can't afford another March Madness cancellation. And uh, he is stumping a bit that, that things get under control. Uh, looking through the uh, the Twitter timeline and good old Gene Benhart, man. Bryce's papa. <laughs> Four pictures. So the uh, the photo array begins with walking up to the Big Ten office, walking into the Big Ten office, holding the letter up, and then placing the letter down. Good on those Nebraska parents. So right now, Michigan State, effective immediately asking undergraduate students who plan to live in our residence hall this fall to stay home and continue their education remotely. So is this a big ploy to to collect the check? What's the refund policy like for housing? You don't get a break for distance versus in person, although you have some smart kid at Yale suing Yale to say, look, man, there's 55 a year I'm paying you. The the distance doesn't even come close to being there with a professor. We bring in the rum connoisseur and producer of Hale Varsity Tuesday and Thursdays, uh, the talented Damon Barr at Damon Barr with two R's on Twitter. So what's your what's your feel like? You you started class. I know it was a rough day for Elijah yesterday. He he read three syllabi and called it a day. He slipped on his NBA tank top and even though he's not seen the sun in 48 years, said sun's out, guns out. Uh, you're at least covered, thankfully. Damon, what's what's the feedback? You uh, you live with some roommates. Did you ever live on campus? I lived on campus my freshman year just to like live in the dorms, mm-hmm. just get the feel of things. Right. Be um, away from home for a little bit. Yeah, it was nice. And it helped me become more independent in college. This first week is weird. Like yesterday, I I didn't do much, but it felt like the first day of school. And honestly, this is the first time in a long time that I haven't looked forward to school starting. There's always that lull at the end of summer where you're like, OK, I need Let's something get back to do. At it. Let's get back at it. But now I don't really... A, want to go on campus all that much. I, I have to um, one or two days a week for classes because they do it half in class, half online, that kind of stuff. But like even the thought of going on campus and seeing everybody there is kind of not appealing at the moment. And it's kind of is it sad. just straight out of, out of COVID concern. Ex- exactly. It, it's straight out of just should we even be going, honestly? OK, OK, that's totally fair. So what what courses do you have to be in person for? Um, I have to be in person for um, three of my classes, a management class and two writing classes. Okay. And so, yeah, I mean, we'll be on Zoom when we're not in class, mm-hmm. but you still have to go. They have like half capacity classrooms. So there's going to be 
about you know ten of us in a room at a time, which isn't terrible. It's not awful. We can keep distance if we wear our masks. You know, it should be fine. I'm not really scared about that, but I I, I feel like I'm going to be missing out on a lot of just campus experiences that I kind of took for granted before. Right, and you've got year and a half, two years left. This is my last year. Okay, so you are okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what a kick in the junk. From a from a senior standpoint, Damon, but you'll you'll figure it out. You'll be all right. So, what's the buzz you get, man? You've turned that corner, and you're making your way senior year, and just from the student body. I mean, is is Nebraska's student body? And I'm sorry, I'm a, I'm asking you to speak for your brethren. I'll be the representative today. You be the rep. Are I mean, you tell me this. What what's your feel like with the responsibility side of things for today's twenty to twenty two year olds? And and listen, I know. I, I mean, I talked to, to a couple of folks, our, our boys at the bar, the bar, and our friends at Duffy's, and they've done a great job of letting folks have a good time, but also being responsible and socially distanced. I mean, they've done their job. Do you think the students that will hit campus have done their job or is it just we've all been locked away for God knows how long? Let's put our freaking hair down and and start pouring Jaeger. I mean, I'm serious. I'm asking is 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 Nebraska going to be similar to Carolina, to Notre Dame, to Oklahoma State? Uh, is, is this thing about to, to spike and go gangster or? Is there more restraint with Nebraskans? Yeah, from my knowledge and the people that I've talked to just kind of in my close circle, it feels like maybe I just know some responsible people, but I get the feeling of more of responsibility. But that temptation is it's just going to be too strong. One week, two weeks down the line, there's going to be parties like there always have been at college. And it it, kids are just going to they're going to be kids. It's what they're going to (laughs) do. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the fear. How many times has Barney talked about that going, you know, kids are going to get on campus. They're going to be college kids on campus and, and it could be wildfire. And, and I, we have our syllabus week tradition at my house. I mean, we don't not celebrate the new year, but we do it at home and we do it with just a few people. Okay. So that, that okay. So, so that, it, but it's people you've been around. It's people I'm around every day anyway. And my you, roommates sure and you're you're firing up the garage band and you're you're limiting who can come in and maybe you're streaming the concerts i don't know but i, I get it i get it no it'll it'll be interesting to see where it goes because next monday it's in person do you do you anticipate nebraska preemptively going listen Sparty's going distance You've got a number of schools that have gone distance. Are they going to give it a shot, at least on campus, or are they going to shut this bastard down ahead of time before there's even a shot? What's the what's the swirling winds tell you? Every, everybody I've told uh, this, I've told them the same thing. I say, we're going to be there for a week in person, and they're going to shut it down. That That's what I think is going to happen. Just, this is just my hunch. I don't base that on anything, mm-hmm. but I think we're going to be there for a week. There's going to be clusters and outbreaks, and they're going to say, oh, we're going to reel that back, and you're going to go online. That's my 
guess for what's going to happen. Are you able to successfully do your writing courses with a fifth of rum? <laughs> it makes it a little easier to get the words on the page, but uh, <laughs> it, it uh, less time to review when that's the case. So sloppier work, but it gets done quicker. But it's entertaining. It's entertaining. There it is. Uh, we'll have some thoughts here from the NFL. Tough news for Gerald McCoy. Uh Dallas standout, former Sooner stud, is done for the year. He's been cut by the Cowboys, a quad injury. So we'll get into that. And uh, Joe Burrow, man. Joe Burrow's rocking a mask, which is all good. But he is, he's excited. He's confident. The Chiefs are uh, moving forward. They're going to allow 22% capacity at Arrowhead. And they will allow tailgating. And you go to Arrowhead, you better tailgate. I got to reach out to Pharmacist Jeff. See, we can't do a donkey road trip. See Denver. Let's just do both. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time uh, tomorrow on the show, Mike Babcock, Mike Schuhart, and Brad Edwards going to join us. See where things go. If there is a peep. From the commissioner, or if he stays <laughs> locked in the office. What's running through my head right now is it's Michael Scott peeking through the blinds, very, very quietly, peering out. And we'll see if there's a Dwight Schrute to let everybody know that look, you're not hired. That episode where Dwight brought all his buddies. Uh, this was Jim and Dwight. Forgive me. This was post-Michael. But let's see if uh, the parents and their letters make a dent. Let's get some change going. And uh, I won't call it backtracking. I'll call it coming to your senses about fall football. So here is Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's a lot of fun to watch last year. I can't wait to watch Zach Taylor and Stanley and Seathan and the crew do their thing. And Jano, Jano's in Cleveland, but they'll play twice a year. But a little bit of a Zoom presser today with the Bengals and uh, Mighty Joe. Not nervous at all. Very confident. You know, I feel very comfortable with the offense right now. I feel very comfortable with my guys. Um, and I think, you know, I think we're going to be pretty good on offense. I'm, I'm excited more so than nervous, I would say. Does that emotion surprise you that that you you aren't nervous? I mean, it's human nature, you know, starting a new job like. Absolutely not. <laughs> Have you uh, you ever heard anything else about me about being nervous? Point taken. Point taken. Yeah, I'm Joe Burrow. Everyone's told me that. Eh, we're not sure. Just like, all right. Mental note. I'll be good. I'll react. So, is it Indian food tonight? Are you doing a little Chinese, Damon Bar? What do we got rocking? Oh, you missed me by one night. I had the Chinese food last night. Did, where'd you so go? I got a little uh, little panda. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Orange chicken. <laughs> Dude, orange chicken's just undefeated. Mm-hmm. It'd be really cool someday if I learn how to make that myself. 
Right. Yeah. I, I bought like a, a box of it and I had aspirations to make it, but I was like, I'm, I'm going to screw this up. And so I, it never happened. Yeah. So, so you, you're doing Panda tonight. Last night I did Panda. Last night. Okay. So tonight is, is what? Are we, are we doing burgers? Tonight's uh, fishing something out of the pantry and uh, putting it in the oven. We'll see. Um, Kind of do a box lasagna guy. <laughs> I, I do enjoy the box lasagna. Yes, yeah, so we'll we'll see what I can come up with tonight. But it's uh, not vegetable lasagna, though. No, no, no. I'd five fifteen cheeses if you can. Okay, good call. <laughs> good call. Is there the Damon Bar recipe? Uh, my, do you ever do you ever go homemade lasagna? Do you do, do you do some sausage and ground beef or what? Well, my actually my grandma makes uh, the best homemade lasagna. It's grandma's. It, do. It's entirely the meat sauce. It's just the. It's very saucy and very good. That's all I'll say. It's fantastic. Is it heat or is it sweet? It's it's heat. Okay. All right. Now, Grandma Grandma Schmidt did the best lasagna, and she'd make it for us. And when I go visit her, she'd make it. And she had to have stock in Velveeta. Cause she'd put like seven blocks of that stuff, just bang. Then it'd go in the oven. It was good, man. And the little German lady that could crush lasagna. Loved it. Talk to you tomorrow at four on Hale Varsity. See you.